Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to another episode of Bible Conversations. We have another awesome guest with us, and we're going to be talking about the same topic we did with Dustin, and that is, why are you a Christian? And this time, we've actually got the campus minister over at Southeastern Oklahoma State, uh, working with the Durant Church of Christ. His name is Jared Hyatt. You want to introduce yourself, Jared? Yeah, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, My name is Jared Hyatt. I've been a campus minister for, I think, about nine years now. Was a part-time youth minister before that. Um, think I have the best job in the world. Get to be around college kids and watch them grow. Uh, Chris was a part of the group, and you know, watching him turn into the man he has become has been one of the reasons I love the job. That's awesome. Yeah. Is, is it people like Chris that keeps you young, Jared? <laughs> well, keeps you young <laughs> and gives you a lot of gray hair at the same time, so I don't know how that works, but... So I, I will say this for, for our viewers, Jer- Jared and I are pretty close. And uh, anytime I see him, specifically when he grows out his beard, he's got a really, really massive beard. I, uh, I either call him Gandalf or Dumbledore. And, uh, and just, I've never seen, I'm, I'm thinking that's from Lord of the Rings, never seen either of those. So I just go with it. I don't even know what he's talking about. But that's okay. He doesn't have to. Everybody else does. So... Um, what we're going to do here, Jared, is we're just going to jump in and uh, going to ask you the question, why are you still a Christian? Well, that's a, I think that's a really good question. And when you text me and told me about the topic, I was actually excited uh, because I feel like that's a question that I'm prepared for and, and all Christians should be prepared for. Uh, first thing that came to mind was 1 Peter 3.15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You know, I think we should all be able to answer this question. And so I'm glad y'all picked this topic. And maybe if somebody, some of y'all's listeners aren't prepared, that they'll put some thought into it for their own life. Uh, As I thought about it, it really kind of gets broken out down into two big answers, really one big answer and a bunch of sub answers, I guess. The, The big answer I think, which is probably what's going to come to everybody's mind first, is eternal life. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to hope after this life. Um, I I don't want I don't want this to be all there is, and and I know that it's not because of uh, what Scripture tells me. And so, I think everything else falls into these subcategories. But of course, the big one is eternal life. And I know that's, you know, that's the, I think that's the easy answer. That's what everybody would say at first. But I really feel like if you don't start there, um, where else, where else would you start? Because that's, to me, that's what this is all about. Christ rose from the grave and, and he was the first fruits and and so can we. So that's where I would start is um, I'm looking forward to spending eternity with God. Now, so it's kind of. Like the question, you know, what happens after you die? And that's where you're kind of getting your answer from, you know, well, I got to have an answer for that question. So I, I'm a Christian. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
Paul said, you know, if if we have hope in this life only, then we're most to be pitied. What are we even doing? You know, mm-hmm. so as a Christian, I think if if our first answer for why we're why we want to be a Christian is not, you know, that hope that comes after this life, but that we have an eternal life, then, then we're probably missing the point. But I'll, I'll kind of come back to that. The rest of my answers are, are going to support that. But this isn't something that I think the world knows about necessarily, those who aren't Christians. But my, my life now in the present, uh, in the present on this earth is so much better because I'm a Christian. And, and I don't think that most people in the world could understand that because it, you know, y'all probably had Bible studies with people before. Um, I've had Bible studies with people who are, aren't Christians. And one of the things that gets said to me pretty often is, man, being a Christian is, seems like a list of things I can't do. It just seems like it's not going to be any fun at all. <laughs> and, and my response is, you really don't understand yet what being a follower of Christ is going to add to your life. Yeah, there's some things as Christians that I won't do that maybe you choose to do and that that would be hard for you to give up. But you're going to add so much more to your life. Um, I think there's hundreds of examples of this, but, you know, I'll I'll go through some of those in just a second. But I don't know what I know when Chris Chris became a Christian, he became a Christian about the same age that I did. Uh, We were both you know, uh, freshmen or sophomores in college. And for those of us that I say later in life, not really that much later in life, but, um, knows what it's like to be an adult, not as a Christian, and then see the difference when we are a Christian, you can really tell the difference in, in, in what your life looks like, what your life is like, your, how happy you are. I know Chris can speak to that too. For me, uh, there's just a huge difference in where I know my life would end up without Christ because I tried to live it that way and it, and it wasn't that great. And then once I became a Christian and submit myself to Christ in his ways, how much better it is. So Jared, one of the things that pops out to me before, before you were a Christian, right? Like you were on the Southeastern basketball team. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, still had a loving family. You were, I mean, life was speaking in a worldly sense. Your life was good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I look at you now and, and your your family life, and, and I'm not going to get too in-depth with it, but I know that you've got struggles. Um, and there's things that are just kind of difficult. But amidst all those struggles, all the difficulties, your life is still better. And you yeah. hold to that with a passion that I don't see many other people have. And well, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, yeah, uh, some of the difficulties you're, I know that you're speaking of and I'll, I'll share with people. Uh, that's fine. My wife has uh, some chronic illness and her life is, you know, it, it could definitely be way worse. Mostly she's fatigued and tired every day and, and we've chased down trying to figure out what's wrong and thankfully found some leads and and uh, have been blessed enough to that she is 
feeling a little better than she has over the past three or four years. But, you know, you, you say that because the point is that we're making isn't that everything gets better when you're a Christian. That's, that's not the point. You know, uh, you hear some of the televangelists and, and mega church preachers talking about the prosperity gospel. They won't use that terminology. That's really a terminology (laughs) that we've given, uh, that they're doing, but, and they preach, you know, if you become a Christian, you're going to make all this money and your, your health is going to get better and, and just everything's going to go great. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, yeah. I think Chris is making the point. There are still things in my life that are difficult, but you know, I can't imagine, I can't imagine going through my wife living with chronic illness without having God. I can't imagine not having a comforting father that I know cares about us and is helping us and taking care of us. Um, so I did, yes, there will always be trials and struggles and even persecutions, but the trade-off for that, it's, it's not even comparable. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter eight, he said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And you talk about a guy who had struggles, you know, when he, when he became a Christian, it's not like everything got better. In fact, from the outsider's point of view, it would look like it got worse, right? All the disciples for that matter, you look at them and all of a sudden, you know, they don't have homes. They're following Jesus. Jesus says he doesn't have a place to lay his head. Um, they're not more financially secure. People are getting angry at them a lot of times. And we go, how is that a better life? But then you start to dig into the word and you see what Jesus gives them, what he brings them. And and for me, it's the same thing. It's not that everything in my life is better. It's that I have Christ to help me through the difficulties. Yeah. And Jared, you you said you you mentioned you have a few examples of that. Do you mind kind of leading us through that discussion and, and some of the examples that you have of that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned my wife and I've been married for 12 years now and we we were both Christians when we got married and even uh, when we we wrote our own vows and one one of the things we promised each other was that we would always put God even before the other one and you know a lot of people would look at that and go well man in a marriage you've got to put your wife first even before God that doesn't make sense to the world so by putting Jared, real quick, yeah. When when I first heard you tell that, that's exactly what I thought. So this was <laughs> I had okay. just gotten to Southeastern, I think, and you had been talking about your vows, and you were like, "Yeah, Jessica and I promised each other that we were going to put God first and each yeah. other second. And I was like, "What? That doesn't what?" But it, yeah. I I get it now. I understand yeah. it now. Well, now you're married, you you do understand it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, Alyssa and I have the same view, right? God comes first. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. I just, you're you're 100% right about that. You're making the the point that, yeah, this sounds backwards because if I'm committing to someone and I'm saying, look, you are second in my life, that, that seems counterproductive to a successful marriage. But when I put God first, that means I'm going to be following the principles for marriage that he's laid out for me. 
Jessica, that's my wife, Jessica cannot be treated better than when I do what God tells me to do for her. When, when I treat her the way that God tells me to treat her. You know, you read through Ephesians 5, the passages there where it says, husbands uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Man, that's something I'm always going to strive for and, and I'm always going to need to get better at it. I'm going to continually be trying to treat Jessica better and better. Uh, when in Ephesians 5, where it tells us, uh, husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. You know, it, it's giving us principles that make for a, a happy and successful, successful marriage. And again, that's reasons I want to be a Christian because I know, I just know my own nature. I know who I am. I wouldn't be a great husband without, without God. You know, I, I really think I would be worse. I, I really, I don't know exactly what I would be, how, how bad of a husband I would be, but I know that Jessica would not be treated as well and we would not be as happy in our marriage if I wasn't a Christian. And, and that's kind of everything that I'm saying, you know, is that with all of this stuff, when we lean on our own understanding, man, it just never works out. It, it's never as good as it could be. But God has proven in my life over and over again in a lot of different areas, and marriage is the first example of that, that things are better when I just trust Him and, and follow, follow in the footsteps of Christ, uh, follow what He's told me to do. So I think marriage is a pretty good example of that. And after 12 years, you know, if, if I'm doing something that is hurtful to Jess, she's usually able to point out, hey, you're not... <laughs> You're not doing what God's told you to do here and vice versa. And that's the only time we have troubles is when we get away from what God has has instructed us to do. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. And what you're saying, uh, Jared, actually reminds me of uh, this movie I was watching one time. Um, it, it's on Netflix. It's called The Interview with God. I mean, it's a decent movie. The acting's pretty poor. But um, <laughs> during the movie, this journalist, you know, he like they made the movie where it's like he has an interview with God and he can ask him any question. But one of the questions he asked him was, can an atheist have morals? And I think that's kind of what you're, you're getting at here is that, you know, it's the morals that I get from God, the morals that I get from, from scripture. And the, the question, can an atheist have morals? Yeah. Well, the answer that God gave in this in interview in the movie was, yeah. And a house can have, or a house can be built without a foundation, but you better hope that the earth doesn't shake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's you know, a really good point. We don't have to um, have God to have morals, right. but man, you better hope that your life doesn't start shaking. Um, yeah. And you know, w with your marriage, this example that you're giving, because your your morals, because your marriage is even built on God, that even when it shakes, you're going to be all right. Man, I, I think you put that really well too. Because I hope. Uh, the listeners don't get the impression that I'm saying, you know, you can't be a good person without being a Christian. I know some atheists who are good people and 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 do some great things. You know, uh, they I would say they are moral people. But I think you put that in just the right way or the movie put that in just the right way that I don't know how I would get through the times when I don't know the answer without seeing what God would have me do. You know, for example, uh, in the back to the marriage, I mentioned that my wife has chronic illness. Um, and over the past, like about four years ago, it started getting 
worse and and I had no idea what to do and, and neither did she and we went and saw all kinds of different doctors and, and and chased a lot of leads to try to figure out what we could do to help her but you know what was nice was we we knew we still knew how to treat each other during that time and we still knew how to love each other during that time and we were still able to take our anxieties to God and just say, look, we don't know what to do, but we know you've got this. And and no matter what, even, even if the very worst was to happen, you know, if she was to, to die, we've got a hope beyond this life. And I just don't know how anybody, I think it's much more difficult to get through this life when you don't have God leading the way. Yeah. Hey, Jared, uh, yeah. Congrats, by the way, on uh, 12 years of marriage. That's a great blessing. And I've oh, been married you. 10 years, and I, I know I know how difficult marriage can be. Yeah. But, man, with, with God, um, he makes all things possible. And yeah. I was thinking about your, your first answer, you know, when you said everlasting life. I mean, that's John 3.16 in the nugget, isn't it? I mean, God <laughs> Absolutely. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life that's the whole reason god sent jesus as everlasting life and then as you made that second point i was thinking about exactly what jesus said in mark um, uh, mark chapter 10 i got in front of me here but he says you know there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time and this time he says and then he says, in, in the age to come, eternal life. And I think I just want to interject here with an important distinction I think we're making is that when we're talking about this life, you know, what we're really talking about is spiritual life, the, the inward life, the, the inward joy that we experience that it just, you, you can't get from this world, obviously, because this world is just all about the physical and, it, and that's all, but the, the gospel gives us life this this life that yeah. now we enjoy and you're able to enjoy even through this 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 difficult thing that's happening with your wife you're you're able to experience this inward joy continually yeah. through these years and these difficult trials so i com- i commend you with that and praise god amen yes amen uh and, and you kind of lead me into a next area it's it's all the same point that with god this life is easier. This life is better. But uh, another area of my life that I'm, I'm working on now is I actually went back to school um, to get my master's in counseling. You know, being a campus minister, a lot of times part of the job is kids coming to you, uh, need some counseling. And some of the things they would bring to me, I just decided, man, I think this is above my level of knowledge. Uh, I need to get some help with this. So decided to go back to school and, and get some, uh, and get my master's in counseling. And one of the interesting things is I've been going through these classes is that the, the answers to mental health, uh, come from the Bible basically. Like, and I don't know that counselors recognize that, but, uh, there's this thing called cognitive behavioral therapy and, in a nutshell, basically it is learning how to change the way you think. And so when negative thoughts, let's say someone is anxious or depressed, when negative thoughts come up, 
it creates these feelings of anxiety and depression. And then your feelings uh, create action. Well, in a nutshell, cognitive behavioral therapy is cutting off those negative thoughts, which will change the way you feel, which will change the way you act. And as and the first time, you know, I'm in class and they're explaining that to me, that the thought that your thoughts are so powerful. I'm thinking of Romans chapter 12, verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I'm just like, man, the Bible's already got all these answers. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying counseling, you know, we don't need counseling. I'm, I'm an advocate for counselors, but it's just funny. The more we, the more we discover and the more we learn, the more we see that God already had the answers for us. Yeah. yeah. One, of the, one of the things that, so I've been doing, and this is not a promotion or anything, but uh, listen to a little bit of Stephen Crowder's Change My Mind. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he's been talking about in one of his episodes was the what people should do in their lives, right? And in order to get away from poverty and get away from certain things, there are three things that experts agreed on. Don't have kids until you're married. Uh, get an education, I think, was one of them. Uh, and there's one other, but all of them were basically just biblical concepts. You know, make sure that you're living your life right. Do it the way that the Bible has laid out. And I looked over at uh, Alyssa and I said, huh, that's weird. It's like we've already <laughs> been told that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Bible has the answers. It has since it's been available. And, and that's that's just a beautiful thing. I think to bring us back to the, you know, why am I a Christian part of this conversation? I mean, um, oh, what was I thinking? I don't know. <laughs> I, I just had like all my thoughts together and I started talking and it went out the window. <laughs> um, I was going to mention this passage, though. As you were reading from Romans, Jared, it reminded me of Philippians 4. Uh, starting in verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are uh, good or poor, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Uh, the yeah. things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That's, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Verse yeah. 8 is do this. Like what you do, and verse nine is why you do it, so that God will be with you, and exactly what you're saying here. That I think that scripture just backs up exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, and so when like when these people are saying, "Well, how could you be happy as a Christian?" It's like, well, I've already, <laughs> I've already got some of the answers, not not on my own wisdom, but because I'm removing what I think is best, and I'm submitting to what God thinks is best, and He's my Creator. He knows what's best for me. And how can we not be happy when we're doing what our creator has created us to do? And so I think, you know, again, all of this, all of this falls under the category of eternal life is why I want to be a Christian. But when I see God telling me to do something and I, maybe it's, maybe it feels contrary to what I, what my, uh, what the flesh wants to do. But I ignore that and I submit to God anyway and I do it and things work out for the best. That gives me even more confidence that this eternal life that he's promised me through Jesus 
is going to be great. You know, sometimes we get, even get scared about eternal life because eternity is a hard thing for us to think about, like a time that never ends. But when you, I, I'm comforted in that when I do what God's told me to, things always work out for the better for me. Like I'm happier. I'm, and, and when you think about an eternity with the one who's given me these instructions, with the one who's making me happy, that's going to be, that's going to be a really great thing. Yeah. Jared, Jared, I'm just, oh, sorry. Did you, no, go still, ahead. Did you still have a thought there? Okay. No, I'll, uh, I'll get, jump in after you. I'm sure Chris will probably give us the signal here. I don't know how much time we've got left with you, but, uh, you know, I just want to play devil's advocate real quick, if you don't yeah. mind, uh, not to prolong this out too much, but what do you say to someone who says, well, I have my religion and it offers the same things, you know, life and I'm happy. I, I have my Zen. So you're a Christian. I'm, I'm this. Why, you know, why should I be a Christian? Right. Well, you know, I, I guess I'd probably be uh, kidding myself to say that there's not people in the world who aren't happy, you know, who who don't have some some happiness. Um, I mean, you look at sin and it there's got to be something to it. There's a reason we all go back to it. Like it does offer some temporary um, pleasure, some temporary joy, some temporary happiness. But when we, when you think about how temporal those things are, it, it I think when we're honest with ourselves, they don't last. Uh, I've got Galatians chapter five pulled up here, and it talks about the the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. The works of the flesh it talks about are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And, and all of these things, you can see some temporary pleasure or some temporary happiness that it can bring. For example, uh, you know, fits of anger. It feels really good sometimes when somebody does something to you and you get that boiling up inside of you and you just <laughs> yell at them and let them know what you're thinking. And for a moment, for a moment, that feels really good. But then don't you spend days and weeks and years thinking back on that and feeling guilty about that and, and relationships are broken because of that? Pleasures in this world are so temporary. And, and I guess that's how I would answer it. It's like, really check on what's making you happy. Is it the things of this world? It, is, it, is it things that aren't going to be eternal? Because, man, my happiness is built on things that are eternal and things that things that last. And that's, that's Christ and the promises I have through him. So I guess that's how I would answer. Is that kind of where you were uh, wanting to take us? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that answer. Appreciate it. Well, right, even well, in, e even ahead, in my relationships, I feel like they are better because, because of, because of Christ, because I'm a Christian. You know, think about how backwards it is when Jesus says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. You know, and he, he ends that whole section up by saying, as you wish that others would do to use, uh, do so to them. You know, and now people, 
people who aren't even Christians quote that because it's such a good, such good advice. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do good to those. It, it, it's just so amazing that, you know, every part of my life, I feel like has more meaning for me, has more joy and happiness when I, when I do things the way God wants me to do them. One of the other things uh, I thought was interesting that I learned about in this counseling program, you know, one of the best things you can do for some, uh, somebody who's suffering depression, if, if they want to get to work on it, you know, there may be, there may be times that medications are needed or something, but almost always one of the first things they'll tell people to do is go and do something for other people. Go and be kind to someone. That's like one of the best things we can do for depression. And it's just like what Jesus said, treat others the way you want to be treated. Sometimes when we're most down in our lives, we're sitting around waiting for others to come and do for me. And if we just follow what Jesus is teaching us, man, we can dig ourselves out of that by doing what seems seems opposite and doing for others, but it's going to make us feel so much better. And I'm sure you guys have experienced that as well. When we, when you just do what Jesus says and treat others as more significant than yourselves, you actually come away from that feeling, feeling awesome. Yeah. So Jared, it, it really sounds like the reason that you're a Christian is twofold. One, mm-hmm. the eternal life that you're going to receive is immeasurably greater than anything you have in this life. Yeah. And secondly, your ability to handle this life mm. is immeasurably greater with Christ than it is without. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. it. Number one reason I'm looking forward to eternal life, but all of these things we mentioned, and there's so many more areas that that we could go into. Yeah. They They just build up my confidence that eternal life is going to be great. If God could take this life, which can at times be so difficult, and he can ease some of the suffering, he can ease some of the pain, he can help me through some of the difficulties, how great is eternity going to be when I'm there with him continually forever? So it, it really gives me confidence about the reward that we are to receive. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close us out. I'm going to move over to Colossians chapter 3. And I think we talked about this with Dustin a little bit. But what I'm going to do is move further along in the passage. And I I encourage our listeners, encourage anyone who, who hasn't, to read through Colossians. Understand what it's talking about. But we're going to go to verse 14. And verse 14 says, above all these. That means we got to go back and look compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint, forgiving each other. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The end of the matter, as Ecclesiastes talks about, is to love God and keep his commandments. Love binds everything together. And what we've seen is that the love of God allows us to make it through this life and allows us eternal life. Hmm. And so the bottom line is love. And so I want to encourage our listeners, encourage everyone, 
show more love. Show love to the people that you know. Show people the love you don't know. Show people to, or show love to yourself. And what we're going to see is if, if we're able to do that, we're going to see a nation and a world that's united. And being in Christ makes it so much easier to love because we understand what it is. So as we close out, I, Jared, I want to thank you. I'm sure Dan and Dylan do as well. Yeah, thank you, Jared. This is a really good discussion. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Hey, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook and share our posts. You can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.